Welcome to Tomorrow's World. The biblical book of Revelation is filled with mysterious symbols, multi-headed beasts, locusts who punish men, a star that falls from heaven, and a burning mountain thrown into the sea, which destroys one-third of the fish of the sea and one-third of all ships. Revelation is truly an unusual book. Some find it frightening. Some discard it as the work of a first-century madman. Many find it impossible to understand and throw up their hands and surrender. The great English scientist, Sir Isaac Newton, wrote a book attempting to unravel its mysteries, but admitted it could only be understood at the correct time in history. Whatever their view, most erroneously think it has nothing to do with their lives. But is that true? Is it possible to unravel the messages this book that was written more than 1900 years ago has? And does it have anything to do with your life and that of your loved ones? The answers may surprise you. On today's program, we'll see that this mysterious book can be understood. But let me encourage as well as caution you. Understanding Revelation is not the result of a university education or a great intellect. The greatest minds in the world cannot understand its message, but a humble mind that is submissive to the will of God can. That may sound strange to you, but I'll show you from the pages of the Bible why this is so. On today's program, we'll see what the future holds for mankind if we don't wake up and change. A message about the greatest time of trouble the world has ever known may sound frightening. You may want to run and hide or simply change the channel. But what I'm going to show you today from the pages of the Bible will happen, whether you change the channel or not. But if you know what is coming, you'll also know that there is a way of escape. Yes, Revelation explains there is a way of escape, but not in the way that most people think. And there truly is good news after this time of unprecedented trouble. It's difficult to understand in our present world that a time of peace and harmony is really going to come, but that is the ultimate outcome as predicted in this mysterious book of Revelation. This is vitally important information that you don't want to miss. So stay tuned. A warm welcome once again to Tomorrow's World from those of us in the Living Church of God, the sponsors of this program. And I especially welcome those of you tuning in for the very first time. We call this program Tomorrow's World because much of our focus is on the prophetic message of Jesus Christ, who declared the gospel, meaning the good news of the coming kingdom of God to this earth. There is good news wonderful news that is ahead for mankind. And the book of Revelation, which is the subject of today's program, 
reaches out into the future when peace and harmony will come to this troubled planet. But it also reveals there will be a time of trouble such as we simply cannot imagine before peace and harmony begin. One of the great victories by the Allied powers during World War II was the cracking of the German Enigma coding machine. Looking something like an old-fashioned typewriter, when a letter was keyed into it, a different letter appeared. It was designed to never have the same letter appear in the same sequence and was considered impossible for their enemies to figure it out. But in about a month's time, British codebreakers solved the mystery of how it worked. To accomplish this, Britain enlisted the brightest minds available. Other nations did the same in attempting to break the codes of their enemies. Would it surprise you if I told you that all of the best minds mankind could bring together would not be able to unravel the secret messages of the book of Revelation? Even those who broke the Enigma code could not discover the message of Revelation. But if that's the case, what hope can you have in understanding it? Surprisingly, you can, if, yes, if. When it comes to understanding Bible prophecy, we are informed of two very specific facts. First, prophecies are often sealed until a specified period of time. And secondly, only the wise will understand. Concerning the first point, we find in the biblical book of Daniel, a book that prophesies some of the same things found in Revelation, the prophecies given to Daniel would be sealed until the time of the end. Notice that in Daniel 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. In other words, the meaning would not become clear until near the time when its predictions would occur. And then we are given a description of the end time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Has there ever been a better description of our age? We are living in the time when many are running to and fro, and knowledge is exploding. Consider our modern transportation systems, trains, planes, and automobiles. The number of planes in the air at any given time on any given day is staggering. There is no end of the number of automobiles that transport us to and fro. We can travel hundreds of miles or kilometers in a matter of a few hours. Trains in some ways move millions of people every day. When it comes to knowledge increasing, we can hardly keep up with new technologies and innovations. Never in the history of man have we seen knowledge increasing at such an amazing rate. After describing when these prophecies would occur, we are informed in Daniel 12, verses 9 and 10, that only the wise will understand. And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. We see there is a contrast between the wicked and the wise. 
those who can't understand and those who can. The Bible is a book like no other, and there is a spiritual dimension necessary to understand it. And this spiritual dimension goes far beyond human intellect. Yes, the wise shall understand, but how does the Bible define those who are wise? Are they secret code breakers who hide out behind closed doors? Are they university professors or scholars in biblical research? Not according to the Bible. Proverbs 9 verse 10 informs us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Apostle Paul explains a mystery that almost no one understands. He tells us why man is so different from animals and why man's normal intellectual capacity is not enough to understand God and to unravel the mysteries of His Word such as the book of Revelation. There is a remarkable passage of Scripture that explains why some people with only average intellect can understand, while others with great intellect cannot. Notice this passage in 1 Corinthians 2 and in verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Many people stop right here and agree that the deep things of God are beyond their ability to understand. But after quoting this passage from the Old Testament of the Bible, Paul goes on to explain that we can understand them, and here's how. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Yes, it is through the Spirit of God that we can understand. But what does this mean? Consider, animals are wonderful creatures, especially domesticated kinds such as dogs and cats. They give their owners a great amount of entertainment and company. We train them to do amazing tricks. Dolphins and whales have been trained to perform for us. Falcons are used for hunting, and cormorants retrieve fish for their owners. As amazing as the animal world is, animals are not on the same level of intelligence as man. Birds can fly, but they can't build spacecraft to travel to the moon and return safely. Chimpanzees amuse us, but they can't build a hospital or design an automobile. Birds build intricate nests, but each kind has its own pattern and its own kind of materials. There is clearly a gulf, a great gulf between mankind and the animal kingdom. But how do we explain the fact that some animals have larger brains than man, but can't do what man does? Paul gives us the answer in verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Yes, there is a non-physical component to the human brain that empowers it to understand what no animal can. And just as we can understand human knowledge because of what we might refer to as human software in our brains, so must we have godly software if we are to understand godly things. Now Paul continues in verse 11, 
Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Just as there is a non-physical component to the human brain that gives us ability far above the animals, so must there be a non-physical component in our brains to empower us if we are to understand godly things. But how do we receive this Spirit of God? Now that's a whole program of and by itself. But let me refer to two scriptures. Acts the fifth chapter in verse 32 tells us that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. And Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. These are the first two keys to unlocking the mysteries of Revelation. Prophecies are often sealed until a specified period of time. And secondly, only the wise, as defined by God, will understand. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. As with the book of Daniel that was closed and sealed until the time of the end, Revelation's end-time prophecies are sealed with seven seals. Our third key to understanding involves knowing who it is that can break these seals and open the scroll. The title should give us a clue. Some translations of men improperly title it the Revelation of St. John the Divine. But this isn't correct. The very first verse of the book tells us it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is further confirmed by what we read in chapter 5. At first no one is found who can open the seven seals and reveal the book's contents. But finally one is found and he is described as the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. This is the third key to opening the book. Jesus Christ is the revealer of its secrets. Now this is most important and should not be minimized. So with this in mind, let's turn to Revelation chapter 6, where six of the seven seals are opened. The first four of these seals are opened in rapid succession and are popularly known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. When a seal is opened, a horse and its rider are seen coming out of the scroll. Each horse is of a different color and carries with it a different meaning. Let's see what John saw when the first seal was opened, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer." What can this possibly mean? And what relevance does it have for you? Because people fail to understand the keys that I've given in the first part of this program, they come up with all the wrong answers. Using human reasoning, scholars generally conclude that the rider on this horse represents Jesus Christ, or Christians conquering for Christ. 
they notice that there is a rider on a white horse found later in the book of Revelation who clearly represents the returning Christ who will set up a glorious and harmonious kingdom on earth. Therefore, they jump to the conclusion that this first rider must represent Christ. But they fail to see that there are significant differences between these two riders. This one is given a single crown and has a bow in his hand. The returning Christ in Revelation 19 is seen with a sharp sword and many crowns. But more importantly, people fail to look at Christ's own words to explain the meaning of this first horseman. Late in his life, Jesus spoke of the events that would take place at the end of the age. As he left the Temple Mountain in Jerusalem, his disciples asked him, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's found in Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus then began to list various signs of the end of the age. And what was the first one he gave? Notice verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Since Jesus is the one to open the seals, we should look to him for the explanation. And his first sign of the end of the age is false Christianity. People would come using his name, saying that Jesus is the prophesied Christ or Messiah, but in the process would deceive not the few, but the many. The New Testament of the Bible gives many warnings about professing Christian leaders who are deceivers. This is why we must check up on what people say. As we tell you, don't believe us because we say it. Believe what we say because you can read it in your Bible. Notice this passionate appeal from the Apostle Paul to the elders at Ephesus. In Acts, the 20th chapter, beginning in verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. Paul also had to deal with false professing Christian teachers at Corinth. And in this quote from 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and verses 13 to 15, we learn that Satan also has ministers. It's important to note that they will not look like evil men, but will appear as righteous ministers of Christ. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, if the white horse of Revelation 6 does represent false Christianity and false professing Christian leaders, we would expect to see the second, third, and fourth horses match up with Jesus' next three signs. And indeed they do. 
Here are the next three found in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So taking Christ's signs in order, we have false Christianity, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, and natural disasters. We've already looked at the first horse and his rider. Now let's look at the others and see if they line up with these signs, because if they do, that will confirm the meaning of the first horse, the one with the rider going forth with a bow in his hands to conquer. If these other signs line up, we can know that this white horse does not picture the true Christ, but false Christianity. So let's continue in Revelation, the sixth chapter, and verses three and four. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. The third seal is opened in verses 5 and 6. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. Famine is the third sign and the third horse. But what about the fourth rider? In verses 7 and 8, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades, or the grave, followed with him. We see from this that there is a perfect match. Let's lay them out side by side. Revelation 6 and Matthew 24, the white horse, false Christianity. The red horse, wars and rumors of wars. The black horse, famine. And the pale horse, disease epidemics and other deadly disasters. While we recognize that these four problems have been with us for a long time, Revelation reveals that they will dramatically increase as we approach the end of the age. The ride of these four horsemen will not be difficult to recognize in an end-time context, as statements in Matthew 24 and Revelation 6 reveal. John tells us concerning the four horsemen in verse 8, And power was given to them, the four horsemen, over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And in Matthew 24, right after describing the beginning signs of the end of the age, Jesus warns in verse 8, All these are the beginning of sorrows. Yes, this is just the beginning of man's problems. 
What follows is known as the Great Tribulation. While it will affect mankind as a whole, the Bible explains it is primarily on the true followers of Christ and the Israelite peoples. Let's begin with verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. This great trial on the servants of God is confirmed in Matthew 24. As we continue through that chapter, notice verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Even though a great time of trying and testing comes upon the true servants of God, the book of Revelation also reveals that some of God's servants will be protected, but not in the way that many professing Christians think. There is a way of escape, but it will not be through the false doctrine of a secret rapture. Sadly, I don't have enough time to address this subject on this program, but I'll try to do so at a later time. In the meantime, you can read much more on the subject of this amazing book by going to our website that will be shown momentarily and reading or downloading our publication, Revelation, The Mystery Unveiled. This informative work explains the end-time events leading up to the return of Jesus Christ to set up a world-ruling kingdom of peace, prosperity, and harmony. You'll need to have a Bible handy to confirm what this booklet reveals, and you'll certainly want to see for yourself the outcome of prophetic events at the end time. For Revelation does predict a time of peace in the future. And be sure to come back next time to discover what the Bible reveals about the age in which we live today and to learn more about the good news of tomorrow's world. See you next time, right here. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.